Hello and welcome to Chewing the Fat with Mike, the podcast where we remind you to be thankful because today you woke up with air in your lungs, food in your pantry, and above all, coffee in your cup. I am your host, Michael D. Smith. So, I know my sister's been waiting for her episode for probably a while, and I have to say, without her, I don't know where I'd be. Probably dead, in a pool somewhere. Not only because she saved my life like six times from drowning. I actually forgot about this until I was thinking about it, but uh, I was thinking about it recently, but my sister actually taught me multiplication off of flashcards when I was in like first grade and that's like two years early all three of us were a pretty close-knit group her me our older brother I remember playing in the backyard as children we had this ghetto basketball hoop and I always wondered why I could never shoot a basket it was because when I got used to shooting a basket the hoop would freaking wiggle yeah so you had to prop up this basketball hoop with a two by four And we spent a lot of time doing that. Joanna expressed a love of animals from a young age, specifically dogs. I think she brought home a few strays that ended up getting kept. I'm not sure. I would have been too young to remember. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Hockey became a big part of her life, along with rollerblading. And she was a phenomenal softball player. Also soccer. She was a heavy hitter in softball, but we'll get to that later. Hashtag foreshadowing. I remember as a kid, she told me to get on her back, and she'd skip around the house. Yeah, so it's a piggyback ride. Joanne is about three and a half years older than me, but was very involved with my life, and my older brothers as well. When we were kids, every day, I don't remember why, but I feel like it was her responsibility to make sure I was awake. And I hated that. And uh, mainly I hated that because I knew Joanna was not afraid to get a cold glass of water, which she did more than once. And we'd have to walk to school together. And on the way was my grandfather's house. If we left early enough, sometimes we'd stop before school and say hi. But usually after school, we'd stop by almost like every single day. Well, not every single day, but most of the time. We were very close to our grandfather. Oh, man. I completely forgot she was in choir. (laughs) I don't remember much about it, but she was in choir. Moving on. Eventually, like we all did, she went to middle school. And I don't really remember what age she took up the drums or developed her fangirl status for Zach Hansen. You know, the drummer for Hansen. But I think it was around that age, maybe even a year before, her love for Hansen would soon take up the house. Always, at least once or twice a day, I'd hear a song from their album, Middle of Nowhere. You know, you kind of get sick of it, but it's kind of (laughs) catchy. But if I'm being honest, it was way more than that. Hanson started coming out with movies of their albums, you know, like they would record their tours and stuff for the album. 
and Joanna would buy them. We'd spend time at Orbic Music Store in town and country, and she would always walk out with a poster or something. She had shirts, music, merchandise, and if you think we got a break around Christmas time, we sure didn't, because they came out with a Christmas album called Snowed In. Just in case you didn't have enough, here's a freaking Christmas album. So, she ends up going to a few shows. I think it was quite a few shows. I don't remember how many or at what age she went, but I do think she went to quite a few. I'm pretty sure she eventually talked to them and had a conversation outside one of their shows. But uh, when Joanna got a little older, she stopped listening to Hanson as much. Don't don't get me wrong. She she still played them a lot, too much. But she started listening to other stuff as well. And I, I just think it was what was popular at the time. Like A Newfound Glory, Simple Plan, All-American Rejects, you know, etc. Stuff like that. Also, as I mentioned before, she was a very, very gifted baseball player. And for many years, she played. She even played on the church league for a season after high school. Most times, I'd see her on the pitcher's mound, but she also played first base. I remember one day, because one of her grades was a little low, I think she was benched until the last inning. Either that or she didn't get to play the last inning, one or the other. But anyway, while she was benched, a grounder was hit past the first baseman. The way her glove was down and her hand wasn't over the ball, the ball popped up and they lost the game because that was the only run the other team scored. Still... When the ball came Joanna's way, when she was playing first base, there wasn't much that would get past her. A lot of times, she played the role of designated hitter as well. Because not only was she a pitcher, first baseman, but she also hit dingers. I remember when our dad went to one of her games, I think we were doing the exchange between parents. Like, we stayed with our mom, but we were going to our dad's. I was sitting in his car or truck. I think it was an old pickup. Not an old one, but I think it was a pickup that we were sitting in. And we were across the street checking out the game. He had his window down and it started sprinkling. Bases loaded. Joanna is at the plate. Dad rolls up the windows because it's sprinkling. I was sitting in the passenger seat, so I couldn't really see what was happening. Because our dad was sitting closer to the field than I was, and his head was kind of taking up, you know, the window and blocking my vision. And so he was pretty fixated on what was going on. And you know what? Actually, I think I think he might have had the window cracked because I didn't see, but I heard it. I saw the pitch. I heard it go down past the... Or I saw it go down past the plate. Well, not past the plate, but... I saw it go down, and then my dad's head was blocking my sister. But I saw it go down there, and then I heard, ding, and I lost sight of the ball. Meanwhile, our dad's flipping out in the driver's seat, clapping, yelling, go, 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 with the windows up. (laughs) That's the funniest part, the windows were up. And I couldn't see what happened. Dad's sitting there shouting, clapping like he's in the stands. But I saw the runner on third, 
go in, and then I saw the runner on second go in, and then first. Then I saw Joanne around third base and keep going and thought, oh, shit. Meanwhile, I think Dad's about to run out of oxygen. He's yelling so freaking loud. With the windows up, none, no less. <laughs> she crossed the plate and hit, ended up getting that grand slam. And our father yells out, that's my girl. As I'm sitting there thinking, you know, windows are up, Dad. It's just you and me. After high school, Joanna went on to Holy Cross College. And I can't say I remember too much about it. But I do remember when she transferred to Ball State. That was a drive. But by the time I was kind of living in Hamilton County. After she had initially gone down there. I remember she used to come back from school for the holidays. And sometimes I would actually hang out with her for a weekend at Ball State. Which was amazing for me. Because that meant I get to hang out in the girls dorm rooms. And she would show me around campus. The hot dog stand. Pizza place. I think we meant to go to the village. But you know. We never got around to it. By the way, can I just say, Joanna, while I love her, no matter what I was doing, always caught me doing shit. She'd always say, what is that? And at the time, yeah, I was smoking cigarettes and I was putting them in a two liter bottle with a little bit of water at the bottom. And she found it and she asked me what the hell it was and, you know, busted. She found some aluminum foil in my room, too, and she asked me what that was, and I was like, that is a makeshift bowl for my bong because my original one broke. She always catch me all the time. It's annoying. But I remember after she graduated, she lived in an apartment for a little bit. I don't remember who her roommate was or if she had one, but... She did that until she found a house she really liked in Noblesville. I remember I used to go down and visit her, and we'd go out, and when we got back, she'd have to quickly go to bed for the next day because I think she worked about six or seven days a week some weeks. She had, like, three jobs. She worked at Walgreens, Liberty Mutual. I think they worked. she worked there while she worked at Walgreens, and she worked somewhere else. Most days she told me she'd come home for like an hour and then go to her other job because she had a part-time job to go to most days after her full-time. And I think some weeks she was lucky to have a day off. As time went on, she started meeting men and dating, and I would give all of them shit when I first met them. I was a little protective, but ultimately who she, who she dated was her decision So, let's fast forward to the time when she met the only guy that matters, and his name is Jimbo. Anyway, (laughs) she told me she was dating a guy at the time. I didn't think anything of it. But then she introduced me to him. I did my thing, you know. I was a little piece of shit to him like I was everyone else. It's the initiation to the family, you know. I remember I asked my sister when Jimmy was sitting across from her. I didn't really know I was on speakerphone, but at that time in my life, I knew I was an asshole, and I didn't really care what he thought of me because he was dating my sister. 
And I think my sister, Joanna, said that he was in between jobs at the time. And as an arrogant asshole at the time, who didn't understand that it takes a little bit for a man to get his feet underneath him. When I first met him, I figured I'd give him a little bit of a burn. Not a literal burn, but a little bit of an insult. And he fired it back at me. The funny part was I didn't understand what he said. (laughs) So I had to have him explain it to me. Once I figured out what he meant, I said, nice. And I think I high-fived him. Because if there is one thing I can respect, it's a guy who can give me shit right as I give it. That is America. A few years later, and Jimbo proposes to Joanna, and I I mean, I was happy about it. I was real happy about it. We all were. So they got married, and I, you know, like the family failure, got drunk. I mean, really drunk. The wedding was a big hit. I will say, I don't remember too much of it, but vodka makes me think I know what I'm doing on the dance floor, so... It's probably for the best that I can't remember. I don't remember how many years they lived in that house in Noblesville as a married couple, but a few years back they had a house built in Westfield. It was a nice house. However, our brother Chris, he went to he went out to Vegas. This was prior to them building a house. And he had kids, and then he moved to Arizona. He had kids with my sister-in-law. And my mother went out there. Joanna moved out there recently. And now it's just Dad, Sarah, Alex, and me. Aside from all the aunts, uncles, and cousins. So they're starting a new chapter in life, and I'm happy for them. Because I know how far they've come. But I'm excited to see where they end up. That'll about wrap it up for this episode. Also, there is a giveaway going on. You can get your free Chewing the Fat with Mike t-shirt. All you have to do is send us an email, and by us, I mean me, at ChewingTheFat1990 at gmail.com. Tell me your name, favorite episode, and why. Oh, and of course, I'm going to need your address, too. I'm going to need somewhere to send it to. That is ChewingTheFat1990 at gmail.com. I am your host, Michael D. Smith, and until next time... Stay blessed.